Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Zimmerman with Becker's Healthcare. We are thrilled to be joined for today's podcast by Bobby Zarr and Liz Griffith. Bobby spearheads the healthcare management team at UPerform, helping health systems change the way software training is conducted with digital learning solutions. He is a seasoned healthcare leader who brings over 10 years of extensive health IT training experience to the UPerform team. Liz is the director of EHR education at UPerform. She was previously with Class Research Arch Collaborative, working directly with leading health systems to understand their EHR satisfaction and how they can work to improve it. Bobby and Liz, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, let's jump right in, if that's good with both of you. Great. Okay. Um, so, uh, of course, we in who, uh, rather, whether it's constantly writing about healthcare or working in healthcare in any capacity, all know that the the, the financial and staffing situations in, in the industry are, are a real challenge right now. With that in mind, why is now the right time for health systems to make technology training a strategic priority? Bobby, I'm going to throw that one to you. Well, I think it's always been the right time. It's just uh, now getting visibility uh, as healthcare systems are financially stressed. Uh, the clinicians, nurses, and doctors are stressed like never before. Uh, so it's really time, a good time to start addressing uh, some of the sources of that stressor, which is a uh, common source is training. Uh, that knowledge gap of how do I do something to practice my job versus that I'm in the flow of work right now and I don't understand what I need to do. Uh, that gap is really frustrating. And most of that is because of the costly uh, EHR education challenges, which make it ineffective uh, and inefficient. Uh, when I say inefficient, inefficiency leads to being costly. Uh, when I talk about costly, it's time off the floor and training is costly. Uh, just pulling a doctor or a nurse uh, out of patient care has, uh, you know, expense ramifications for them. Uh, it often delays a new hire uh, from starting to work. Uh, the travel time and expense that an organization directly bears uh, for getting them uh, to and from training is can be high in a lot of the areas, uh, especially as health systems grow and they become more geographically dispersed. Uh, the other piece is the training staff with limited number of trainers uh, who shoulder more and more uh, work because of upgrades and increased turnover. You know, every time somebody turns over, uh, they have to be retrained. That's a stress on the trainers and the training team themselves. If you start increasing the cadence of that uh, turnover, you're going to increase the stress on those trainers uh, and your training teams. Uh, that's the, what the reality of the nursing and staffing shortages that we have today. Uh, it's ineffective because uh, today's training methods are uh, still using the old classroom uh, even if it's a e-learning piece that is being done in an LMS, they're scheduling that and it's going it's weeks before they get into it, or it's ahead of the curve for their training time because they have all the other compliance things that they have to get to. So it can be, you know, not only days, but weeks before they actually apply what they learned. Well, the big problem with that is, is that learning loss for system and application type training is proven to be over 75%. Uh, of a loss in the first 72 hours. So if we're not conducting that training close to the application of that knowledge, it is ineffective. Uh, so we can't throw money at the problem anymore. Uh, we've got to figure out how to get more with what we're using today and how EHR education can give back to the 
patient time by increasing the productivity hours and reducing the time and training. And Liz, I want to get your thoughts here as well, but uh, just a quick follow-up or, or or thought for you to respond to, Bobby. I'm struck by that, what you said, you can't really throw the money at the problem anymore. I mean, these are already significant investments, right, from, from the, the health system hospital point of view. And it strikes me as like the the the, the potential for not having everyone sort of upskilled here is, is a real barrier to getting the most out of those investments. Is that right? Great point. Great point. Could have said it better myself. Thank you, Bobby. Liz, any additional thoughts? Thanks, Brian. I just want to reiterate the very first thing Bobby said. It's always been the right time. We've been a part of the information revolution for decades now, you could argue, but now we're, we're really neck deep into this transformation. Being part of the, you know, arch collaborative research on the forefront of EHR satisfaction, even prior to the pandemic, even as early as 2018, when class was first starting to aggregate the data coming out of the research, they showed that over 57% of providers and nurses were begging for more training, saying, I still need more training in order to feel proficient. And that's, and I love what you said, Brian, about this is one of the best ways that you can support these very, very um, expensive um, investments that the health systems have made. The EHR is one of the single most, if not the most, uh, the largest cost investment that the IT portion of the hospital makes. And so ensuring that the users are um, well-versed, that they feel very efficient and proficient, that they that they can actually utilize this tool as part of their clinical workflow, this, this should absolutely be at the forefront of any health system strategic priorities. And when it comes to, you know, back to that arch collaborative research, EHR satisfaction, you could argue, hinges on whether or not those clinicians feel that they are well-trained on how to use that technology. It's, it's required for their workflow. They have to use it, they can't get around it. But if they feel like it's distracting to their workflow or, or causing roadblocks to delivering great patient care, they can very quickly become resentful of not only the technology, but then resentful of their organization for not setting them up with the right steps for success. And so I'll, I'm gonna say it again, it's honestly, it's never been a better time to make this a key part of any strategic um, priority when it comes to uh, IT implementation. I imagine, um, you know, no one who who wanted to be a nurse or, or a clinician or, or a physician ever signed up for that position because they want to wrangle technology or, or try to troubleshoot stuff, right? Right. I, I, and I, I want to dive in now with the next couple of questions to some of the work you're, you're doing at you perform specifically. So, so Bobby, can you share maybe you know, you know a bit about what efficiencies or improvements health systems are seeing in their, their training and ongoing support strategies um, with the help of you perform? I'd say the number one thing is giving time back to the organization. Uh, we have numerous studies from our clients who have documented what the time took to get people trained and get them the ongoing support they need prior to you perform versus with you perform. I've also heard, you know, about satisfaction and, you know, that's one huge improvement uh, that we've seen is that you perform users are more satisfied than with the application and with their training than non you perform users been told that uh, clinicians uh, always complain about uh, training. They hate spending time in training. Well, that's really not true. The fact is, is that they don't complain about time spent in training. They complain about how the training was a waste of time. And that's a big difference uh, with it. You've got to deliver training to them 
where, when, how they need it, and tell them why that training is important and what the objective is to accomplish. They need to be able to see immediate results. Uh, we're used to that in our daily lives with that immediate satisfaction. That translates into application support as well. Uh, when they are in the flow of work and they need that help, that really is a learning opportunity for them because once they get that help they need inside the application, they now have learned far better than if they'd sat in a classroom and they may have already been taught that workflow six months ago or two years ago, whenever. They're not going to remember it. But once you see it in the flow of work and you do it, that memory is there and that satisfaction because you had a positive outcome to that situation is now there. Uh, Baylor, Scott and White, you know, has anybody complained about wasted time and training? We asked them about that. Um, they said the users hate having to sit down and going through lessons that aren't applicable to them. Uh, so by being able to target the learning to the user, to exactly their role, their workflow, their EHR build, which are buried as you know stars in the sky, you go to one hospital and they may have the exact same EMR, but their EMR workflow and experience is totally different than another organization's with the same base application. So you've got to be able to have that tailored out there. The other thing is trying to get people new hires and the turnover on the floor faster. Uh, that efficiency, think about you know what it costs when you from the day you hire someone to the day they start, that gap, whether it's a provider, a nurse, or even as simple as a front desk person, uh, those that time lag is costly, whether it's hours, days, weeks, it just gets exponential. Uh, we have clients at UC Health that are bringing new hires through initial training directly to patient care in just three to four hours. So those hours that they have gained bringing people from new hire to now on the floor, being productive, seeing patients is a tremendous return on investment to their training program. So you can no longer say that training and support are just an add-on. They can be strategic and they can be financially important. Uh, merger activity has dramatically increased. Think about the cost of a merger and what it takes to integrate all those new people into your organization on it. Becoming more efficient is probably the uh, biggest improvement, but also uh, the improvement in satisfaction are the other two areas. Yeah, and I, I imagine just layering on um, ineffectual or, or sort of uh, non-applicable training is just fuels that, that technology resentment that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Liz, what would you add? Um, absolutely. Uh, going back to that Arch Collaborative research, I had the opportunity to be, I mean, very deep into that research, reading tens of thousands of comments from clinicians and over and over and over. The theme was, yeah, I still need more training because the training you put me through was not applicable to me. I'm a nurse and I sat through provider training for eight hours. None of the screens that they shared look like my version of how I utilize the EHR. So I got to the floor and I still knew nothing. Or, you know, the person who was delivering our training was not able to answer any of our specific questions. They're only trained at the highest level of functionality. And so I still left feeling very frustrated. Oh, by the way, I've been here for four years and I have never once had a follow-up past that initial training. This is a real problem. And, and like you said, that resentment really does grow. And I want to be really clear because sometimes when we start talking with organizations, they kind of get this, 
glossy look in their eyes and they're like, oh, so I could get rid of my whole training team. We're like, no, 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 no. This is not about reducing your training team as much as it is being able to help make your training team incredibly more efficient than they ever were before. We're talking about being able to take those trainers who used to stand in front of a classroom for eight hours, delivering a very generic training. And we're talking about repurposing those trainers to be able to rapidly create specific content for specific roles and then repurposing them to what we what some of our clients call one-on-one -on -one coaching. So Gunderson Health System is a really great example of this. They actually took what used to be like an eight-hour classroom training, pared that down to just a few hours of an online course that you take in a lab or you can do, you know, remotely from a from a laptop. But then as soon as you complete that um, much more condensed and much more specific you know, front end training, you're automatically paired up with this one-on-one -on -one coach where you can ask those specific questions and you have that opportunity to say, so how is this super applicable to me? Or let's help talk about how to set up these personalizations. This isn't just about making training shorter. It's about making training pertinent and then applicable and then getting them that specialized help that they really need. We, we absolutely support this concept of one-on-one of -on -one um, allowing people to have the opportunity to ask their questions after they've attended the training that was really specific for them. Another good example about that, um, M Health Fairview, they were able to eliminate the classroom time and they did a little bit of a different analysis, which I really loved. They talked about the give back to the, to the clinicians themselves. They're, they're part of a very large geographic area where they had folks having to travel on average 30 minutes to an hour, sometimes two hours just to attend a training much less the time and training itself. They calculated that by removing their classroom training and putting it, um, utilizing the UPerform platform to, to deliver that just-in-time training, that they gave back over 20,000 hours back to individual clinicians across their organization, just in time sitting in their cars, traveling back and forth to these, to these training locations. That's a huge win in a world where we are looking for every advantage to combat burnout and reduce the burden on our, on our healthcare heroes. So there's a lot of different ways to, to look at the wins that we're seeing across our clients. Those wins really stand out, Liz. And, and even, even despite all those wins, you know, it seems also clear from this, this conversation that IT education can be overlooked or deprioritized, especially in fairness in this current economic climate where resources are limited. So how is this trend of, of deprioritizing this type of essential education impacting the industry as a whole? Um, and, and then Liz, can you speak to how you perform is really helping to reverse that trend? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, how is this trend impacting the industry as a whole? I'm just going to, I'm going to throw this out there very dramatically and very negatively from a clinician's perspective, which is again, that research is all about understanding what is the clinician's perspective of how they have to interact with their, their EHR system and then how they feel about their IT system as a whole. What's really interesting is recently, Class actually has published some research on uh, clinicians who are reporting whether or not they have plans to leave their organization in the next two years. So we hear all over the media about the rising rates of turnover and this staffing shortage crisis that we're seeing. Um, what's, what's really interesting is that if you look at clinicians who report being dissatisfied, so they're unhappy with their EHR experience, they're unhappy with their IT organization, over one third of those clinicians are reporting plans to leave their organization. 
So if you want to truly understand how to impact turnover at your organization, at least one facet, and we understand this is, a, this is a very big and broad and messy issue, but absolutely without a doubt, one facet of this is having a really great relationship between your clinicians and your IT organization of your health system. They really need to feel like you're there to support them, not that you're there to act upon them. When we would read about really strong organizations who had really high levels of satisfaction, you'd get comments like, you know, I, I, I feel heard by my organization. I, I know who to go to when I have a problem. I feel like um, clinicians have a voice in the administration of this EHR. Those are key indicators of, of a healthy relationship. But one of the number one key indicators is a question of, you know, I feel that my organization does a good job implementing training on and supporting the EHR. You perform directly impacts that training and support from the IT organization. So if we can help improve that, we can start directly tying that to improving rates of burnout, rates of turnover, and, and, and just the general frustration from our clinicians. You know, when I was part of the, the class research and I was introduced to UPerform, I had kind of a light bulb moment where I had spent several years working with health systems saying, hey, one of the number one things we've got to work on is you've got to get your clinicians into training. You've got to figure out how to make it more attractive. You've got to make it more specific. We, you know, and, and they'd say, we offer all kinds of training, but no one can't get them to come to training. And we're constantly having this conversation. Well, then the, then the pandemic happened, right? Now you can't put people in a room together or you, you don't have any IT people on site at the hospital. And the, the whole world changed. I had to very quickly start changing how I worked with health systems. And we had to immediately start changing that narrative from getting clinicians to training to saying, we've got to get creative. How can we get training to our clinicians? And not very long after that, I was introduced to the UPerform platform. And I literally, I think I was on the phone with Bobby and I, I kind of like got my eyes wide and I was like, where have you been? This is, this is a huge answer for so many of the problems that we're facing when it comes to trying to shift the narrative and make us, make us more capable of getting our training to our clinicians at the time they need it. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you know, so far throughout this conversation, I, I, I believe we've got a, a good, a decent, we've painted a decent picture of what perhaps ineffective training looks like. And we've got a high level view, certainly of what um, effective training looks like, but I'm wondering if we can zoom in a little bit here. So Bobby, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what does an effective training strategy look like? Can, can you walk us through that? The strategy is really simple. It's just in time. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, it means creating an effective training strategy is meeting the users where they are, when they need it, at the right time, the right place. So what is the right time? The right time really ideally is before it's needed, uh, when they need it in the flow of work. I'm about to start a new process. I'm about to start a process or a workflow that I'm unfamiliar with, or I'm in an application that I don't really know that well. That's the right time to deliver training or learning when they need it inside the application. Don't make me go find something on a, another site, go look for something out somewhere else. Um, you may have the world's greatest internet, but if that's where your learning content is, it's ineffective and that is not the right place. It needs to be inside the application where they live, not in the classroom, not in the help desk, not on an internet site, but right where they are. 
And then the last thing is the right mode. When I talk about meeting users where they are, it's also meeting them with how they think and what's more effective for them. So you can start with simple, but let the user choose the format that works best for them. So if they want, if they're readers and they just want to read some instructions quickly, great. If they are, you know, more video learners, let them look at a video. If you think a video is going to be, uh, you know, more effective or it's something quick to get out, drive it that way. But again, let's drive a just-in-time training strategy to put content and learning opportunities at the right time, right place, and right mode. Thank you, Bobby. Liz, what would you add? Any 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 additional thoughts there, Bobby shared you, you want to expand upon? Yeah, no, he 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 hit the nail on the head with that. I think one of our best examples of this, um, you know, and, and and you all have had plenty of opportunities and, and Bobby has a great relationship with Dr. C. T. Lynn at uh, UC Health. And you know, COVID hasn't really given many health systems much of a, of a choice when it comes to rethinking training, but some organizations really chose to lean into that hard time, that hard transition, and, and Dr. Lin and his team uh, there at UC Health, they're one of these organizations, and in, in one of the podcasts that, that y'all did with Dr. Lin, he said, you know, essentially, we, we, we blew up our training. We started completely over. We took an opportunity to really look and say what's working for us and what isn't. And they really, really lean heavy into everything Bobby just said about right time, right place, um, and, and, and giving them options of, of what kind of training works best for them. And I think part of that too is along with that right time and the right place and the right mode, there's also this, this belief that direct, even starting initial training is when you can start thinking about ongoing training, right? So, so to the UC Health model, they, right, as you're completing your very initial training, they don't kind of allow you to kind of flounder for a while. They immediately schedule your seven, your seven day follow-up, your 30 day follow-up, your 60 day follow-up and a 90 day follow-up all the while saying, hey, this is still part of your mandatory training, making sure that they're having those constant touch points along the way. And I think that that's a key part of a strategy is to, to not let your clinicians kind of languish after that um, you know, initial period. And then, you know, like we heard about Gunderson, leveraging that one-on-one -on -one coaching is is really, really imperative as well. And it sounds, the pandemic certainly drove a lot of a lot of transformation, drove a lot of leaders to rethink a lot of different approaches, certainly around training as well. Still though, the, 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 the status quo can be sort of seductive in a way, I think perhaps because change can be so intimidating, even if it's so called for. So I think my, my final question um, for, for each of you, Bobby, we can start with you, is how do health systems get started here? How do, how do they make the transition to really, you know, as Liz just mentioned, blow up old, old training paradigms and, and really start new? Well, I think the key is taking that first step. It's like any journey. So what is the first step? In healthcare, everything starts with money. I mean, I hate to say it. I'd like to say that, uh, you know, it was all about the, uh, the patient, the focus, but without the right amount of money, without the budget, you can't even take care of patients. So it's got to start with the dollars. Uh, today, most organizations are spending money they don't need to spend. Uh, think in terms of travel, the training time, the infrastructure cost, uh, the tools that they have in place that are redundant, uh, the training that is irrelevant, uh, things that are not timely, uh, things that don't work, that are not functional. All of that boils down to money. So then you can make that business case and showcase the methodology. Uh, we can help you with that with our training transformation toolkit. It lays out the roadmap to get from 
where you are today to a point that is efficient, timely, relevant, and functional. Liz, throwing it to you for some final thoughts. Lastly, the only thing I would add is anytime someone wants to know where to go, you got to know where you are. So I would definitely encourage any organization to start measuring their current state today, measuring their clinicians. What do they like about your current process? What do they dislike about it? Where are they finding successes and where are they struggling? Go to those frontline users. They are, they, they are your, your number one resource, but they're also, they're, they're a great source of strength and information for your organization. And so I agree with everything Bobby said. And I would just say, don't forget to talk to those clinicians, get their voice, let them be heard. And quite frankly, let them help drive that strategy. Bobby, Liz, it was, it was a pleasure having you on. It was great to speak with both of you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for your time, Brian. I also want to thank UPerform uh, as our sponsor today. UPerform is a just-in-time learning platform that bolts onto your EHR, ERP, HCM, and other enterprise applications to centralize software training and support. UPerform gets clinicians through onboarding to patient care faster while better preparing them with a personalized toolkit for efficiency within the EHR, alleviating friction and resulting in more satisfied EHR users. Learn how you can turn training time into patient time at www.uperform.com. To our listeners, thank you for joining us and be sure to check out other Becker's podcasts. Have a wonderful rest of your day.